0: Set your sail for the orange and blue sea. Yar! Welcome to the Java Men Fighting Illini Podcast, presented by the Big Banter Network. This is Java Suds. We got a special episode for you this week. One of our own Java Shaps joined the big banter network's big 10 huddle he recapped this past week of big 10 action we're gonna play it for you here java shaps did a great job representing the crewmen check it out
1: Welcome into the Big Ten Huddle. I'm your host, JR, and I'm here to talk to you all about what's going on in the Big Ten. Joined by Frank, joined by Shabs, two awesome guys from the Big Banter Network. We're going to recap some amazing games, some not-so-amazing games for the Big Ten this weekend. And we're also going to talk about how conference play is starting. Some of these teams playing their first conference game, some of these teams playing their second. And there are some teams this, this season is just not going the way they thought. Other teams, where they thought they were having a great season... And I'm talking about myself, my own Buckeyes. Thank you. How did we get to this point? Don't worry, we'll talk about it. And if you're a Michigan fan or you know somebody who hates Ohio State, you'll you'll heal my tears. Don't worry. Uh, but first, I want to let these guys introduce themselves and tell you where you can find their podcast. At Frank, you want to go first?
2: Yeah, uh, my name's Frank. Official title is the director of statistical operations for the Boiler <laughs> Express podcast. Um, you can find us on Twitter at uh, Boiler underscore Express on uh, YouTube Boiler Express podcast. Uh, if you prefer audio, we can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, pretty much anywhere you can listen to an audio podcast. You can find us there. Jr. Super excited to be here and talk some basketball with you guys.
1: Love it. Yeah, I'm sure you got a lot to say about your team this weekend, and uh, happy about that. So, and the peons of the Big Ten can't even can't even win their games. Uh, Shaps, what a, introduce yourself? Tell people where they can find you at.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Jr. Uh, my name's Shaps, and uh, sometimes referred to as the Spy. Uh, you can find me on the Java Man podcast to uh, cover Fighting Illini basketball. Uh, we've got a rotation of of hosts that that come on. All of us good friends from uh, from our Champagne days, and uh, great to be a part of the Big Banter Network now.
1: Awesome. Yeah, love to have it, and uh, love to have you here, Chefs. Appreciate it, man. All right, let's, uh, before we get into it, hold on, I, I always got to say this stuff, even though I want to get into it. Uh, please do like and subscribe. We appreciate that. We have this awesome new surrounding here, and it tells you right down there, like and subscribe, okay? So uh, you'll never forget. Uh, we're also going to have the games and scores like that. So if nothing else, just for my own heart and the hard work that I do, please like and subscribe. We appreciate that. And check out Big Banter Sports, bigbantersports.com for all your Big Ten media needs. And if you're new to the show, we live stream every night or every sunday tuesday and wednesday night at nine o'clock talk through big 10 basketball and big 10 football but it's the basketball episode so let's get into it guys michigan state faced nebraska this tonight and uh, michigan state continuing the struggle they lost 70 to 77 to Nebraska. It was a tough game. It was a, a, a tough circumstance for the Spartans and I'm not really sure where the Spartans go from here, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Shap, what were your thoughts on this game?
0: Yeah, just got finished uh, watching this game. really came down to the wire. I mean, going into it, I thought this might be a little bit of a trap game for Michigan State coming off the uh, Wisconsin game and then they've got Baylor, I think, in a few days. Um, So I did worry about them going into, you know, sleepy Lincoln on a Sunday night. And so, but I was kind of hoping that the blowout getting blown out by Wisconsin, you know, a a few days earlier would kind of force them to wake up a little bit and not just kind of sleepwalk through this and actually show up for it. Um, and they did, they battled pretty well, but with Michigan State, it, it always just seems to come down to those end of game situations where everyone knows the ball's going to Walker and he just doesn't have any help, it seems like, right? Like, they'll, you know, just at the end of this game, Nebraska was double teaming him because they know he's going to try to take those last shots. And then he's going to find an open teammate. Malik Hall was wide open for a three and hit nothing but the backboard. You know, so it's like just no one else is, is going to step up for them. And credit to Nebraska, because they got contributions from everyone, especially towards the end of that game. They were, they were dominant, they were moving the ball well, and they were making their free throws, which really just put the game away for Michigan State. So just a really, really disastrous start for their season.
1: Yeah, and I, I mean, a lot of the critiques that I had about Michigan State, you know, last podcast saying they weren't even going to make the tournament, they're looking soft, that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, they came out and their big men did play better. Malik, Malik Hall, like you said, you know, he did miss that into the game three, but he did have 20, 22 points tonight. He was kind of the the main guy to go to, um, you know, which is hard to do with Tyson Walker on the floor as well. Um, but I mean sissoko uh he he just wasn't anything that you really needed there um you know only three rebounds you you just need more production from your bigs if you're going to come into the big 10 and play better here the the guards are are obviously really good on michigan state but without this bigs help it's just really really difficult for him frank what were some of your thoughts
2: yeah i mean you really kind of saw this as a must win game for both teams um you know Nebraska started really hot they started 7 and 0 they're coming off of two you know I'll call them respectable wins no one really expected the the Creighton blowout I know I predicted a Nebraska win last time I was on here so a little bit of egg on my face for that one but you know Michigan State you know they they came in 4 and 4 and they do have the 46th hardest schedule in the country according to Ken Palm right now um so no real bad losses I mean if you want to count tonight's loss against Nebraska as as a bad one um you know that's that's up for debate but yeah, I mean, we, we saw Tyson Walker tried to take over, and in my opinion, he doesn't need to. You know, it, it shouldn't it shouldn't come down to Tyson Walker being the guy you have to go to on every possession. You know, we saw, yeah, we did see Millie call miss that three at the end, but there are enough pieces around him where I just don't feel like that's necessary, where we're needing to go isolation for him down the stretch. But, you know, hats off to Nebraska. K-State Tominaga, you know, dropped 15, three for seven from three. You know what he's going to do. Uh, Juwan Gary just looked fantastic. But really, like one guy who stuck out to me was rink mass tonight. I mean, just mm-hmm. playing his heart out. I think he would have 12 rebounds in the game, I want to say, was really just commanding the floor on defense. He was navigating screens. He was he was pre-switching. He was point switching. He was just commanding the floor and playing harder than anyone else. And he hit, I don't want to call it the dagger, but he hit the, the the shot to put him up for with about 40 seconds to go. In in the post, it was kind of an awkward. He got the ball knocked out of his hand and kind of pivoted a little bit, and you know went up to go go up with the shot. But he had that um,
0: unbelievable block too on the dunk attempt. I can't remember who that was, but that was an unbelievable block. I'm like, who is this guy?
2: (laughs) And uh, I feel like CJ Wilcher deserves an honorable mention too because you know in the second half, um, Michigan State would get up six seven, or I'm sorry, Nebraska would get up six seven. Michigan State would come back, cut it to two, and it seemed like Wilcher was always the guy who made the play. Now looking at the you know the box score, he only had 10 points, but they were just every point he had was so timely. You know, you know, Michigan State would cut a two or three, and then bang, like he'd hit a three, he'd make a play. I mean, he he was he he was electric tonight, and he did the things that aren't going to show up in the box score. But I mean, this is what you want in conference play, right? You want these exciting games that go under the wire that are just absolute slugfest. And you know, it's interesting that like neither team could really find a rhythm offensively starting out. It definitely felt like. You know, Nebraska was giving Michigan State a hard time. Every time a guy was coming off the screen, there was someone right there. Um, they just weren't really getting any good looks. And, you know, then it turned into kind of a free for all offensively. But just a, just a fantastic game. One of the more entertaining games I've seen uh, in conference play this season. Uh, the second, probably the second after uh, Purdue and Northwestern, which didn't end well, as we all know for me. But it was still an entertaining game for sure.
1: We, we, we won't just bring that up for you again, Frank. We'll let you bring that up one time, and uh, we'll move on from there. So, uh, No, I, I think you're exactly right. I do, I, I do struggle with this Michigan State team because, like I said at the beginning, you know, last episode, I don't think they're going to make the tournament this year. I know it's kind of a hot take, and I know people are going to say, you're crazy. Thomas is going to get this team rolling. I get all that. But even when Michigan State started flat before and they didn't win their games, they always came out and looked like rejuvenated against some of their bigger opponents later on. You didn't see a sleeper game like this against Nebraska. Now, I'm not trying to degrade Nebraska and make them seem like they're a bad team or a bad program. They're obviously, you know, they're eight and two. They have that blowout loss to Creighton. But I mean, it's been a good year for Nebraska so far but still like just by name recognition, you think Michigan state would come in there and say, we need some respect. We need to go in here, play the hard nosed game and win it. And when it came down to it at the end of the game, they just, they, they couldn't win it. And I I just, I don't see the same Tom Izzo teams that I normally have shaps. Am I crazy?
0: No, not at all. And Michigan state came in beating Nebraska 11 straight times. Um, So I thought this would be kind of like a get right game for them a little bit, um, especially, like I said, coming off of that Wisconsin blowout. But I said in in our preseason Java men pod that I was very worried for Michigan State because they fit the profile of the North Carolina team from last year where they were kind of just average, you know, and and managed to get into the tournament. Michigan State was a 7 seed, North Carolina was an 8 seed, I think, right? And then they went on that run. Michigan State, kind of a similar thing where they were just in the middle of the pack of the Big 10 and then they they closed the season well. You know, they played well in March. Everyone sees that. Then everyone sees, "Oh, all those guys are coming back. Well, we got to put them as a top 5 team then in the preseason poll." And I was not buying that at all because I, the North Carolina case, I'm like, this is the exact same team that we saw struggle for a lot of the year, just be a middle, kind of a middle of the road team. And that's really what's, uh, you know, has been the case so far this season. So I don't know. Are you, if you're a Spartan fan, are you hitting the panic button at this point, starting Owen two in the big 10?
1: I mean, what do you think, Frank, if you're a Spartan fan, are you hitting the panic button?
0: Well, Shaps, I think you hit the nail on the head, and that I
2: too was very confused when they were so highly regarded, you know, in the off season. Because yes, they were returning everybody, but this was a sub twenty win team regular season last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, they have played a really tough schedule, and it doesn't get any easier. They have Baylor next, and they have um, Oakland, who's uh, as I said last time is good for one upset. We've already seen them do it once. Um, you know, so they're a good. They for gave a us warning. a fight. Nah. They're always good for a couple upsets every year. It just seems like they're they're always in the mix. Um, so I I, uh, I don't think it's time to hit the panic button. However, you know you, you lose another one to Baylor. Now we're talking panic button time. I mean ultimately, you know the the old school rule of you need 20 wins it doesn't necessarily apply anymore. But you know you're, you're you're you need to go into conference play with you know a three four game cushion if your goal is a postseason. And like I said, they have played a really tough schedule. Um, but, you know, they, they've been on the losing end in a lot of their tough games. Uh, and then, you know, starting the, the season kind of, you know, again, like they did against James, Mad- James Madison, it's not, not ideal either. But they're one game away, JR, in my opinion, from hitting the panic button.
1: I agree. I, I, I mean, I'm already hitting the panic button if I am a Spartan fan. But one more game, that would just have me slamming it, I mean, just going all out and just punching my fist. Uh, I don't want to actually punch my fist on the table because it wouldn't sound great with my microphone. But uh, but I agree. So. All right. Well, Frank, let's go ahead and move on to your guys. Purdue wins 92 to 86 over. Alabama. Zach Eady was a one-man wrecking crew. He just said you get thrown out of the game. You get thrown out of the game. It doesn't matter who you're going to put on me. I'm going to make you foul me. I'm going to hit all my free throws and You can't do anything about it. Welcome to big 10 country, Alabama. This is what big 10 teams have been dealing with for all this time. Uh, Not to take anything away from Purdue. Frank, obviously Purdue's a great team, but this is what we've been dealing with. Uh, Frank, what are your thoughts?
0: Toronto is big 10 country now.
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, it is E's hometown. So it was, it was
0: for that game. Maybe
1: they bred Um, him for big 10 country.
2: I I did see pictures of the crowd and it did look pretty one-sided. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I don't think many Alabama fans made it out there. And Nate Oates even said in the press conference that it was it was basically a, a road, a true road game for him. Yeah. Uh, which to me kind of sounded like a little bit of a cop out, you know, a little bit of an excuse, uh, which right. you don't expect from Nate Oates. But yeah, I mean, the, the big story in that game was just, you know, who saw Alabama with a 72% three point attempt rate? Like 72% of their shots were three pointers in that game. I think it was a like 46 threes they took. They hit what 13 or 14 going into halftime. But th- this morning, I pulled data from every game played so far this season, which at the time was 3,362. That was the highest three-point attempt rate yet this season out of 3,300 games. Wow. So, um, you know, that's just an insane, insane clip. And they were and they were hitting them. You know, they, they were hitting a lot of them. And guys who, who don't make, you know, many threes or haven't shot many threes, um, the gentleman's name, Grant Nelson, right? Purdue did a really good job of not panicking when he started two for two. He's you know traditionally not a shooter. You know he finished the game two for seven, but you know really hats off to Mark Sears. It just seemed like he didn't miss. I and mean, when I look at the box score and see he went eight for sixteen from three, I mean I would have thought he went fourteen for sixteen in that game. It just he he wasn't missing. But really, I mean the you said Zach Eady was kind of the storyline. I I would challenge that and maybe maybe put Braden Smith in there. Oh, because sure. his his yeah. pick and roll readability in that game was was at a level I haven't seen before. I mean, he attacked all sorts of different coverages. He he passed out of hedges. He he drove to the basket when they played weak coverage on him. He, he did a really good job of kind of uh, calling for rescreens and they're playing drop coverage and finding his own shot. And he just played within the game without. There's a little bit of a stretch in the second half where he was kind of looking to force him up there but really just a tremendous performance from him. I mean, he 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 blew my mind in that game, honestly. I went back and rewatched it. It was just elite in terms of his his reading ability. But a game of runs, you know, uh, Bama got up early 8-0. Purdue went out to 14-4 run after that, you know, and didn't take their lead till midway through the second half. But ultimately, you know, they did what they needed to do to to pull out the win. And um, it's a game that got my heart rate going a little bit. But honestly, happy to get the win and uh, get out of there because Alabama's a really good team. They've been on the losing end of – uh of a couple of close games Ohio State aside, but yeah, really happy to get out of there with that win for sure.
1: Don't bring up Ohio State, Frank. We'll talk about them later. Don't worry. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And that was going to be the second thing I brought up after you were done is, is you know, don't sleep on Braden Smith. Now, Mr. Go-Right all the time, but he goes right because it's right for him. And he, you know, he makes it happen. So you can't really complain that much when he's able to do that. And him and Edie, they're just, they're so unstoppable together when they're, when they're gelling and they're working. Uh, some teams like Northwestern ha- have done some things. I know I said I wouldn't bring it back up, Frank. I'm sorry, but... Uh, Uh, they they've done some things here and there to really mess with him. But I mean, game in and game out, Braden Smith has been solid all season long. He's made that, that jump that you've wanted him to make to really excel, not only his game, but the game of this entire team. Uh, Shaps, what were some of your thoughts on this game?
0: Yeah, we know Edie is going to get his 25 to 35 points. There's not a whole lot you can do to stop him. And, but what makes them so dangerous is when either Braden Smith or Fletcher lawyer also go off in the game. And then they're, they're pretty much unstoppable when they have two guys like that. And that's, I mean, that's kind of the story for most teams too. Like you can have one guy go off in this case, Mark Sears did for Alabama, but you really do need two guys in, in these high level games to be able to win. Um, yeah, I mean, Edie, 11-11 of 11 at the at the free throw line, too, I thought was incredible. He played 37 minutes. I don't know how you play 37 minutes when you're that big. That seems impossible to me. Uh, but, I, I mean, that's a credit to him. I also... am. mean, um, it's interesting to watch him this year. He's playing with so much more emotion. Like, he's actually, like, talking smack to other teams. Like, he's yelling at the crowd, getting them going, like... He was always like this shy, reserved kid. Like in the past few years, like just kind of lumbering along. Now he's become like a vocal leader of that team. I'm, I'm sure winning national player of the year boosts your confidence a little bit. But I think it's, it's fun to see him, you know, like really come alive. Like after a dunk and uh, an and one, he's he's screaming into the crowd and stuff like that. So I think that's really good to see uh, if you're Purdue. Yeah. Bama, they shot 41% from three and, and still lost. It's pretty remarkable. But like I said, that's, that's what Purdue is going to do to you. Like when multiple guys have huge games like that, or at least one guy additional to Edie, Cause you always know he's going to have a big game. They're really, really hard to stop.
1: Yeah. And I, I, you know, last season, I kind of watched hating Purdue every single week and (laughs) this season I just decided give up, just watch and enjoy a really, really good basketball team because last, I mean, last season, I, I I kid you not, I watched every game and I just like, I, I was just upset every single game. I was like, stop him, stop this game. Um, (laughs) because they were just so, so unstoppable in so many games. Uh, but I just, I kind of just like made this mental, I don't know a decision in my mind that like i'm just gonna watch purdue this year and just enjoy good basketball a dominating physical player that cannot be stopped and evolution of players i mean that's that's kind of that's what i've enjoyed from seeing purdue all year long i've also enjoyed the stuff you mentioned about Edie and his his emotion and kind of coming more into himself like you said there shaps uh, but just like the entire team elevating around him because Edie has turned into not that he wasn't last year, but but I feel like he's become more of it, elevating the entire team as well as not only himself. And I think that I think that's a testament to his game, uh, and also what Matt Painter is doing as well. Matt Painter doesn't get enough credit uh, for what's what's going on here. Uh, Frank, you got any final thoughts before we wrap up this game?
2: No, I I, I also have seen the um you know the emotional uptick from Edie. and uh, I'll be honest, I'm not I, I I don't know how I feel about it. Just because it 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 feels really dumb when you lose, because he did a lot of that against Northwestern too. <laughs> um, so I I mean I'm I'm a fan of like speak softly and carry a big stick, right? Just let let what happens on the court. Uh, but I think that you know Braden's kind of that way too. He was definitely that way in high school. If you watch his high school footage, he was a he was a big smack talker as well. Um, but yeah, I mean it, it's uh, um, I'm, I'm surprised no one no one brought up any fouls. There's been a lot of controversy about about you know ed ed committed forty fouls in that game or whatnot. But I I'm
0: over it. Yeah. There's no <laughs> use complaining about it anymore. He gets treated very, very differently. Uh you I mean it's I don't envy the refs. It's you can yeah. call a foul on him every play or you can call a foul, you know, against him on every play. It's just is what it is at this point. <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean I think I, I think the kind of the recipe to defend Ed is just to to Play him really physically and whether that includes fouling or just you know like we saw tennessee that felt like defended him really well without fouling him um but uh i i definitely seemed like alabama was fouling. and and um what's his name nick pringle should have should have gotten his fifth foul like five minutes before he did because he came through with a block that like hit caleb first in the head mm-hmm. um so i felt like edie would have gotten you know a few more points but like that's i'm I, i'm i'm kind of beyond that point too you know where i'm just like it, it like he he did get away with a couple travels um but i I went back and watched it, and I felt like he did a good job of not not really being too physical. Uh, he did get hit with the uh, the hook and hold in that game, um, but yeah, it was it was. I mean, that like I said, I don't think a game had got my heart rate going quite like that one. To to see Alabama hit threes at the clip that they did and still be in the game the entire time was just just crazy. But we've seen we've seen Purdue win different types of games, and I think that uh, uh, that that's just going to bode well uh, if Purdue is fortunate enough to make it to the postseason. There's no
1: guarantees. So if they, if they do make it to the postseason,
2: Yeah. 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 Just, uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not having that assumption
1: right now. Okay. All right. I don't feel, <laughs> I don't feel about produce postseason hopes like I feel about Michigan States. So I'll just make that clear really fast. No. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's move on to the next one. We got Wisconsin and Arizona. Boy, this was, this was a rough one for the big 10. Um, Arizona just really took care of business and, uh, just, I mean, Wisconsin riding high after that Michigan State win, and they're kind of coming back down to earth saying, what in the world? How do we how do we uh, make this happen? Where do we go from here? Uh, but to Arizona's credit, I mean, Arizona is a very, very good basketball team. If there's a team that's going to challenge Purdue this year, uh, I mean, if there's a team that I feel like they could honestly go back and forth if they played like a 10-game series, it would be 5, five out of 10. Uh, each way, it would probably be Arizona because they're they're just a fantastic basketball team. And I think that their athleticism and some of the things that they do offensively were just too much for Wisconsin. Wisconsin's a good basketball team, but I think they kind of got overwhelmed by the athleticism as well. Shaps, what were some of your thoughts on this game?
0: Yeah, this game ended pretty quickly. Um, Arizona's just so good. They have so many different guys that can take over a game. Yeah. between Boswell and Larson and and Caleb Love. It's hard for me to watch Arizona games sometimes, uh, because Kylan Boswell is from Champaign. Um, so it's, it's really difficult when your team doesn't have a point guard and you have to watch this kid. Uh, he should have gotten the bag that Sky Clark got ideally, but that's neither, uh, here nor there. But yeah, the Badgers, I mean, they were kind of due for a letdown. And, and if this is going to be your letdown, that's that's okay. They've been playing pretty well lately. AJ Storr, also a former Illini commit, uh, gives them a uh, just a totally different dimension that they were missing last year. Um, so yeah, the Badgers have shown, though, they're, they're going to be a tough out in the Big Ten. I, a lot better than, than some of us expected.
1: Well, and the Badgers were kind of the opposite of Wisconsin, or of Michigan State, right? They brought back a lot of their starters, and uh, I was kind of one of those people. that's like, listen, if we're going to look at Michigan State and say they're bringing back all these players and all this, you know, that was going on, why aren't we looking at Wisconsin? I know they didn't play as well as Michigan State, but you know, they are bringing back a lot of experience. And that experience is starting to show. Like I said, you know the athleticism from Arizona just kind of took over in this one. But uh, don't sleep on Wisconsin. I don't think this is an indictment on what their season is going to be. I still think they're probably a top four team in the big 10 this season, if they keep playing this way, we'll see how things go. Cause obviously teams can, uh, you know, get beaten down in the big 10 and things can get rough for them. But, but I like this Wisconsin team. I think they can, uh, I think they can contend for a top four spot in the big 10. Frank, what were some of your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I, uh, I didn't expect this, honestly. Um, you know, Wisconsin was hot. They were coming off of some really good wins and, um, you know, Arizona looked terrifying, to be honest. But you know one thing that really stuck out to me, just looking at the numbers from the game, um, going into the game, Wisconsin had averaging, averaging 61 possessions per game. You know In this game, they had 74. Now, a lot of that's due to Arizona's pace and them playing really fast. So what Arizona's going to play fast, going to give Wisconsin more possessions. But I just feel like Arizona's game plan really just changed a lot and kept Wisconsin on their toes. I mean, at first, they were really getting them with the pick-and-pop kind of ghost screens uh, for Pella Larson. Um, and then, then they started going down low with Umar Balow and Tyler Wallace. It's a great fantastic or great um great matchup to watch the entire game. But uh Wisconsin, you know, they they continued to play the drop coverage throughout the entire game, and Arizona just kept attacking it over and over and over again. Caleb Love took a lot of advantage of their drop coverage there. Um and then you know what, what we saw, Wisconsin just were switching up ball screen coverages the entire game and Arizona was just making the right reads out of all of them. But, you know, defensively, Arizona was really blowing up everything Wisconsin was trying to do. And Wisconsin just looked a little slow. I mean, they they hung in there for the majority of the first half, but I just I just didn't I, I, I just think they were physically and athletically outmatched. Um but that being said, you know, hats off to Arizona. They looked really good. Um Umar Balo looks fantastic. I can't wait to see him and Edie go at it uh next weekend. It's gonna be a fantastic game. But uh JR, I'm with you. I don't think um, you know, that Wisconsin is going to hurt much from this. I still think they're – I would put them in the top three in the Big Ten right now, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that, uh, you know, they were just – it was just a bad night, and Arizona performed way above baseline in terms of their offensive performance.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I think, you know, Wisconsin did a good job there. I think they got down by, like, what, nine or something? <clears throat> something like that early. And that was when I was kind of like, oh, no, this isn't good for Wisconsin. Because Wisconsin does not strike me as a team that plays well from behind. I didn't think, you know, like, oh – you, you go down early to Arizona, their fast paced. Like you talked about Frank, that this isn't going to be good for them, but I mean, they crawled their way back and Arizona got a little bit ahead and they crawled their way back. But I mean, around what was it? The eight minute mark or something like that. Arizona went on that run and they just really kind of took it over from there. And that was when I said, this is, to me just not a game that Wisconsin can win, unfortunately. I mean when you're behind that much. Uh and how weird is it that we say Caleb love when we're talking about Arizona. <laughs> Wasn't he supposed to be a Michigan guy or something? Um but yeah, all around. Um, you know, I I think I think Wisconsin's got better basketball ahead of them this season. So all right, Shafts, let's talk about your guys. Illinois win or loses? Sorry, uh, <laughs> Illinois Ooh. loses seventy nine to eighty six against Tennessee. Uh, this was this was a game that that I felt like was kind of one of those ones where Tennessee kind of got everything. That they wanted out of out of Illinois. Don't get me wrong; it was still a closer game. Um, but I say that in terms of I think Tennessee really excels in isolation defense, and Illinois really excels in isolation offense. And so it was kind of a perfect pairing of seeing how those two would go against each other. And it just happened to turn out that Tennessee won in those situations more often than Illinois did, uh, which which was difficult for them. Um, you know, the lack of assists and the lack of passing, which I'm sure you're going to talk about the point guard shot um is it, really kind of wearing on them, and I think Tennessee took advantage of that a little bit. But it, I'm not down on Illinois at all after this game. I think this was kind of a, h- a hard matchup. I think Tennessee is a very good defensive team. They had a good scheme going into this one. Um, and so I think, you know, after some of Illinois' wins lately, I, still th- I think you still got to remember those even with this loss here. Shaps, what were some of your thoughts?
0: Yeah, um, two really good defensive teams. Both were top 10 in Ken Palm going into the game. And, uh, so this went the way I wasn't expecting. It was a really high scoring affair back and forth. The first half, especially was r- really high level shot, making really fun game to watch Tennessee's 19 and two at home since 2021. So we knew this was going to be very difficult. Uh, you know, coming off of a, a big road trip that we've been on, we went to Rutgers and then we just stayed out east uh, to play in the uh, Jimmy V uh, classic uh, and got that good win uh, against FAU. So didn't have like the highest of hopes going into this game, but was hoping for a good showing. And I thought we got that. Um, I was really happy, actually, at halftime. We had the lead. Even though Shannon was really struggling, it was clear that Tennessee was not going to let Terrence Shannon beat them. Every time he was driving, there was three, sometimes four guys collapsing in the lane on him. But uh, you know, other guys were really stepping up, especially uh, Quincy Guerrier, transfer from Oregon. Um, he's really struggled offensively for most part of the season. He was kind of coming. He was coming off a hand injury, so his shot wasn't really looking good. Um, he also had a baby like a few weeks ago. (laughs) So, uh, seemed to be really struggling right around the time that baby arrived, uh, as my fellow dads. Yeah. My fellow dads can, can attest to, uh, sometimes you're not sleeping so well, probably tough to get up for, uh, some of these games, but he had the best game of the season with 22 points, five rebounds. Um, So we felt good going into the second half. We had a lot of the momentum. The crowd was very quiet. And then they decided to call a hook and hold on Ty Rogers on a free throw. The interesting part of this one was they didn't initially call a hook and hold. They only called, you know, a a common foul, which was a terrible call to begin with. Because you could see the replay. He gets pushed in the back uh, by Dalton Connect, which would have been his third foul. But then they go and review it and they call a flagrant for a hook and hold. And it was just a, a horrible, horrible call. He didn't prevent, you know, the the Tennessee guy from go, for going for the rebound at all. So it, it didn't really make sense at all. So then after that, Tennessee, you know, gets basically four points out of that call. They go on something like a 10-0 run. It was at one point it was 16 to five Vols run after that flagrant that got the crowd really into it too. And they continued to just call ridiculous fouls against Illinois. And just, it was very, very lopsided in the second half. And that was the only thing that got the crowd really going too. the crowd was basically taken out of the game until the referees started going on their side and the crowd started getting into it. That's when Dalton connect just went off. He's such a good player. He can beat you in a variety of ways. The combination of him and Vescovy are really, really dangerous. Um, and then you got their little point guard who just gets in the lane and, and can really hurt you. But like I said, it, it yeah, the calls went against us, but it really it was, we got too reliant on the three-point shot in the second half. Um, Taryn Shannon and Marcus Damask really struggled. They weren't going to let them beat us. And then we just started launching threes, which is kind of like regression for us. Um, we've been much better about that in recent games. And uh, and and this is kind of going back to like how we looked early in the season when it was just too dependent on the three-point shooting. Um, we were 9 of 36 from deep, just 25%. And it was clear that Shannon was getting really frustrated too. He was only 1 of 6 from deep. And the thing about Shannon so far this year is obviously teams are collapsing on him. You don't want to let him get to the rim, but he's shooting 45% from three this year, which is a massive improvement from last year. So it seems like there's just no way to stop this guy because if, if he's not getting to the rim, he's, he's, he's knocking down threes, but obviously if he struggles from three, then it's not going to be good. He still ended up with what, 22 points, I think, but a lot of that came late in the game. He's always going to get to the free throw line, but, um, but yeah, it was it was really just a matter of the rest of the team struggling and and just not getting any flow in the offense at all. Um, I was proud that we did end up covering uh, the spread at the end. If you got uh, if you got like seven or seven and a half, um, well done for you. But uh, yeah, I, I wasn't too down after this game. Uh, I was pissed about the uh, the zebras, but um, but I was still happy that we went two and one on this little road trip and uh and and we can still you know close out this calendar year pretty well i think we've got a a game against colgate coming up next and then and then we take on mizzou in the annual bragging rights game in st louis which there will be a a number of java men in attendance for that one um it's always a fun atmosphere and missouri kind of stinks this year so hopefully we we get a win over them But uh, yeah, it was it was a good it was still a good entertaining game um, and uh, and not too down about the loss.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. I noticed the frustration as well. That was another thing I was going to bring up that, you know, there for a little bit, you know, it just seemed like everything Illinois was trying to do offensively just wasn't flowing the way they wanted it to. Um, and, And that happens sometimes. But it was like. You know, Tennessee would come down and get a quick shot or get a quick make or something like that. And you just kind of saw the dejection on the Illinois players. So hopefully, you know, though, you know, and I think Brad Underwood is a good enough coach. He'll kind of get it, get with that and be like, guys, that happens sometimes. We can we can make it from there. Um, and I think they will. I think this is a good learning experience for Illinois. And I like I said, I, I, I'm not thinking low of Illinois after this one. A lot of it because of the zebras as well, like you pointed out there, Shaps. Uh, quick note. Sorry, guys. The bottom there, uh, Gurrier. Guer- um, I can never pronounce his name right. He did. have 22. <laughs> he did have 22 points, not 35. Sorry about that. That was a uh, that'd be miss. pretty good. Yeah. Miss on my part. That looks a lot better. Uh, what, what's that? Like almost half the score of the team there. Uh, but yeah, my bad, guys. Sorry on that one. Frank, what were your thoughts on this game?
2: Yeah, I, I did think uh, Gary had a really good game um, to start off. I also, was really impressed uh, with with what Luke Goody did. I mean, I know he didn't play a ton, but um, I felt like he contributed some some meaningful minutes. And Jr., I'm glad you brought it up that you know stylistically, this is going to be a really interesting game. Um, you know, so Illinois is 36% assist percentage in the second percentile uh, in Division One right now. So they, you know, they they I think 40% of their shots are from either isolation or spot up too. So they're you know they're they're not passing the ball a ton, but I mean, I, don't I really felt.
0: Like,
2: yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> that 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 hurts, unfortunately. But you know, I I I felt like in the first half, um, you know, Illinois was making really tough shots, and Tennessee was missing really good shots, and I I was concerned. Um, so I I always root for Big Ten and and non-con, but I I was concerned because I was concerned that they would kind of regress to their mean. Um, but just you know, a couple possessions in the first half, we saw just illinois put three you know three guys on the perimeter run a spread ball screen shannon takes a contested three there was one possession where hawkins uh had the ball passes it into the post passes it right 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 back out takes a contested three and it goes in you know but tennessee were were missing some easy buckets or easy uh, baskets at the rim and uh missing some open threes and I, i was just concerned that you know something had to change offensively for illinois uh and defensively to to win the game and Um, You know, I just think that, you know, when you look at the box score and you look at Coleman Hawkins, you know, 12 points on 13 shots, Shannon had 22 points on 16 shots, he had a 114 offensive rating. Ultimately, it's trying to figure out how those two guys kind of coexist. And I think that's where winning is going to come for this Illinois team. Uh, But I think that, you know, they did a good job of just kind of Tennessee did a good job of forcing Illinois to play their game um and and, you know not in illinois didn't really make him work on the defensive end a whole lot so uh i think going forward you know yeah, you said brad underwood's a really good coach i have a high amount of respect for him um i think he'll he'll get this team um ready to go i just think that you know hawkins and shannon are probably two of the top 10 players in the big 10 it's just figuring out how they how they coexist and how to make a winning product out of them consistently i think is really going to be the key for this team going forward but you know, it was a really entertaining game i do agree that hook and hold call was pretty atrocious um and I, i'm just not a fan of the hook and hold in general because i'm sure if you don't know it was created for purdue uh, when isaac Haas got injured in the tournament and they broke his elbow so mm-hmm. uh, it's got always a salty thing for us purdue fans because they didn't even they, it wasn't even a foul uh when they when they uh, it happened to isaac Haas. so um mm-hmm. you know i think that I, I think that going forward it's a it's a game that's going to help help tennessee uh, or it's going to help Illinois. I'm sorry, they're both orange. That's why I keep getting them mixed up in my head. So I'm thinking about the game. So, um, but um, yeah, I think I, I, I think going forward, they're going to figure it out. And uh, you know, Shannon can just keep his his frustration and not chuck up you know as many uh, bad shots as he did in that game. He'll be he'll be really
1: good going forward. Boy, you're just gonna bring up Isaac Haas and make me think of another Purdue guy that I was hate watching for so long. <laughs> he was good too. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think you hit it on the head with, with everything you were saying there, Frank. So um, I, I think just going forward, tough, tough game for Illinois, tough loss. But at the end of the day, you still lost by only seven on the road against a top twenty team that had the Zebras on their side. So in my mind. Illinois is going to be fine. They're still they're still number two in the Big Ten in my mind right now. So uh, until they beat Purdue, which if they beat Purdue, maybe we'll see. But uh, well, I, I'm sure that day will come. I don't know what day that is, what date that is yet. But uh, I'm really looking forward to. It. I'm going to look it up after this. So, all right. Before I move on, uh, I do want to remind everybody about CBB Analytics. CBB Analytics gives us a free subscription for this podcast, so that way we tell you about it. It's a really cool site. A lot of data. If you're somebody who likes to just kind of dig deep into data and what's going on. Uh, you can kind of figure those things out. Ken Palm is great. CBB analytics takes it to a whole new level. So go check out CBB analytics. Uh, they have free stuff. They have pro tier stuff, all different kinds of stuff that you can have there. So uh, the first. and I'm back. All right, guys, I need to make sure I got some out of there because Ohio state played. I'm mad. They had, gave up an 18 point lead to a team that lost to Bucknell. And they beat them. Chris Holtman is officially entering his slump early as well. It doesn't normally happen this early in December, but you know, big 10 play happens. So here it comes. Um, I was so high on Ohio state. I was thinking so high of them. I thought, man, they have two of the best guards in the big 10. I thought, you know, Felix Akparo is really coming along. Evan Mahaffey can't score, but he plays really good defense. I was, I was thinking so well of this team. Then they got up by 18 points. I actually turned the game off for a little bit. I was going to come back to it. Uh, so I turned it off for a little bit. I went to uh, a high school little play show that my wife wanted to go to. And as I'm there, I checked the score and I see the score is like tied. And I was like, "Oh no, what what happened <laughs> And I start watching the game, and I'm just immediately put in a bad mood because I thought to myself, "How is a team that lost to Bucknell coming back by 18 points to win in this game?" Uh, Kanye Clary, that's how. And Ohio State not playing defense, that's how. Um, Frank, talking me off a ledge. Am I am I overreacting here? What are your thoughts?
2: You know, I didn't really think that Ohio State did anything wrong. I just felt like you know, Penn State just had some things go their way. Um, kind of the one thing I saw from Ohio State was I feel like maybe they overlooked, maybe, and I'm just saying maybe because I don't know, maybe they overlooked Leo O'Boyle. Mm-hmm. Um, they just lost him a couple times in transition early in the game. Um, there was one possession where I, I, I think it was um, it was Gale where they they got Leo O'Boyle the ball in transition and Gale just kind of like swiped at him a couple times and stepped away and he was like, all right, and just threw it up and it went in. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, outside of that, you know, it took a guy, DeMarco Dunn, having a career game. Um, you know to, to really put me because you you expect that from Kanye Clary. I don't think you expect necessarily that for those two guys but you know a will hit the the shot to force overtime against Maryland. Um, I just thought that you know it was more of Penn State you know playing really out of their minds late in the game and they scored 29 points in the last 10 minutes to Ohio State 16 more so than it was you know Ohio State had some good good shots there at the end. And, uh, you know, they were really forcing Penn State into some tough rotations and they were hitting those shots for the majority of the game. They just stopped going in late in the second half. So, I mean, if that's if that's the one thing you have to say negative that open shots didn't go in, I mean, you you, you just have to take your cap at that point. You know, and trust me, I know about that. I saw Purdue play against Fairleigh Dickinson. Open shots didn't go in. So um, I, I, I feel like it's there's there's no reason to be concerned right now as an Ohio State fan but ultimately and you may disagree with me JR I think this is a good win just for the Big 10 as a whole cuz Penn State arguably has the wor- or not arguably does have the worst loss in the Big 10 right now um and so for them to to kind of level level things back out and get this win is probably good for the conference as a whole right now and I know you don't want to be on the on the bad end of that JR as an Ohio State fan but um I think that I think that Ohio State's going to be fine going forward.
1: all uh, right that that feels nice Frank but I don't <clears throat> exactly feel that right now. Um I I hear what you're saying. And and I think you make a lot of valid points. It's just, I look, I look at this team and they start big 10 play and it seems like every single year it's like, Oh, well this team, you know, this player just had a career game against Ohio state. What are you going to do about that? And it's like, at a certain point, maybe guys are having career games against Ohio state because Chris Holtman can't coach defense (laughs) Like, at some point. Is that, are we figuring this out? Um, I know, I know Eric, is coming over here and he agrees with me. Holtman can't win Big Ten games on the road. Period. Uh, they they definitely struggle on the road and 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 I'm trying to be more optimistic here. I've been a Holtman apologist for years and after last year, I'm just like th- this team has to do something. They have to get to the tournament. They have to go somewhere. And the, the biggest pain about it is that the athletic director for Ohio State is um, he he's retiring in the summertime and I can't imagine that somebody's gonna come in and fire the basketball coach right away and hire their own guy. So I feel like no matter what, we're stuck with Holtman at least one more year. But uh, but I don't want to make it about my soap opera uh, soap soap opera on Holtman because Penn State did play a good game and they deserve credit as well. Chaps, what do you see in this game? Chaps, not Chaps Chaps, what'd you see in this
0: game? No, I'd be furious too, JR. I I don't care who you're playing, if you blow an eighteen point lead I'm I am jumping you know, like through a, a glass window with fury and, and, uh, and as, as a member of the firing squad for, uh, for on the Java men pod, we, we fall into two categories we, were you're either on the firing squad, when things go bad, you, you're coming after Underwood and everybody, uh, or on the other side, uh, we refer to it as the human centipede where you're always optimistic and whatever crap they feed you you know it's just coming right back out the other end and so and so uh that's that's how our uh podcast is divided uh i am a proud member of the firing squad um a lot of uh heat is on brad underwood this year so if you need uh so you know any advice for being on the squad uh when it comes to holtman um we, we can happily uh provide that for you but I yeah, that. I'd, I'd be, uh, yeah, I'd be incredibly frustrated as well. If, if you keep seeing the same result and it really is just defensively, like if, if their shots aren't falling, can they get a stop when they need it? You know, you have to be able to get stops. You have to stop these runs because there's always going to be runs that the, you know, if you get out to a big lead, you're going to go cold at some point. That's college basketball. Like they're, There's, there's not, they're not like great shooters most of the time. So like, they're just going to go cold. That's how it works. And the other team is going to get hot probably at that same time, but you just, you have to be able to get stops. It's tough on the road, obviously when the other team gets going, Illinois just saw that in Tennessee as well. But, uh, but yeah, I, I'd be, I'd be furious, uh, (laughs) blowing a lead like that. So don't feel bad about it. And who the hell is Leo O'Boyle, by the way? Like, where did this guy come from? I I, hey, I didn't I know. know about
2: him until the Maryland game, but he is he's fun. He's a lot. Of they fun. have
0: to be making like O'Boyle rules shirts. Have in, to. In it's got. It's got to be a thing. At Penn I State agree. already. Yeah.
1: That is true. You have to consider the name when somebody uh, beats you really bad. So uh, if you've gotten beat by Leo O'Boyle, uh, th- things are not looking good for you, right? Yeah, it
0: makes it <laughs> so much worse to get beat by Leo O'Boyle.
1: Oh man! Uh, thanks for making me feel worse, there, chefs. Uh, no, Anytime. Yeah. <laughs> more more fuel to the fire for the firing squad. I'm here. For That's it. right. We're loaded. Um, No, I do want to give credit to, to Penn State, though. I don't want it to be all doom and gloom about Ohio State. Penn State did come back after that Maryland game, which, by the way, another error down there uh one and one not one to oh, know so i'll get these figured out someday <laughs> sorry guys first day with the graphics okay give me a break um but yeah no i i thought clary played a really good game in this one he's kind of coming into himself and and coming into the player that i think penn state needs him to be my concern with this penn state team early in the season is i didn't really feel like they had an identity i felt like it was like the hey mike rhodes is coming over from vcu that's what we got It was kind of like he brought Ace Baldwin with him. Exactly. Like, what's the identity (laughs) of this team? Who are they? Uh, And I think we're finding some more of that now. I still can't like, you know, put put a finger on it and say this is the identity of the team. But I feel like we're getting closer to that now. Um, and so I, th- I think this is a very encouraging sign for Penn state and you're right, Frank, this, the, the big 10 needed a win like this for somebody who is lower on the totem pole to come up because I don't think Penn state is a 14-13 team. I think they're closer to a 10 or 11 team in the big 10 uh, by the end of the year, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. And uh, you know, who, who knows? I mean, Mike Rhodes, He might just be one of those guys that he's getting his team into it later on in the season, and we'll go from there. I don't think they're going to be a tournament team, but they definitely could be one of the teams in the Big Ten to challenge some of these other teams. So, all right. Uh, Let's move on before I uh, say anything about Chris (laughs) Holtman that will get the page flagged or something like that. All right. Indiana. Oh, my word. Uh, Frank's going to like talking about this one. Uh, Indiana loses 76 (laughs) to 104 to Auburn um just not not a great game by Indiana I was actually watching this one with my in-laws who were rabid IU fans and just the entire game was like why is this happening what are you doing Mike Woodson what's going on I don't think a single positive thing was said throughout the entire game nor did they really deserve it uh Auburn just kind of had their way in this one now it was down in Atlanta and you know there was a lot of made about that on the broadcast about how uh, Bruce Pearl really gets a lot of guys from Atlanta, which is true. Um, so I'm sure there was added motivation there for him. But um, I, even with that added motivation, I don't think a 30 point close to 30 point loss with the other team scoring triple digits really warrants what happened in this game. Frank, go ahead. Uh, we, we know uh, you're enjoying this one. What are your thoughts?
2: Uh, Like I said, I try to, I try to root for big 10 uh, and non-con. I really do.
1: We understand um, if you don't root for us,
2: but the, uh, I mean the the, the big storyline before the game was you know obviously Xavier Johnson wasn't playing. Yeah. Um, that being said, I'm not sure his presence would have would have stopped what we saw. Who knows though? Who knows? Um, but you know I, I think you know uh, Indiana got out to the to the early lead. It was 26-20 ten minutes into the first half. Um, you know one thing we saw was uh, Mackenzie and Baco hit hit a couple threes and was his stroke was looking good. Um, but defensively they really looked Auburn really looked to go after him. I felt like there's a couple times where he he got lost in some switches and they were just able to capitalize on it seemingly every single time um yeah, but but really uh you know we didn't we didn't see the greatest game uh from where from an efficiency standpoint um i think he was like 2 for 8 from the floor uh so not not what you want to see from him i mean and renew was 6 for 12 um he's over one from 3 you know we we we've come to expect more from both of those by this point but really, you know, as I said last time I was on here, I think Trey Galloway is the guy who really needs to step up offensively. Like that's what Indiana's missing right now. And, and you know, we've been seeing an uptick in CJ Gunn's minutes, um, and and I'm I'm just not a fan personally. And and I I'm not the biggest fan either of on off numbers. But I, I looked at some on off numbers for CJ Gunn. Uh, I use offensive rating goes down twenty when he's on the floor. Their defensive rating goes up twenty one point three, which is which is pretty abysmal honestly um so I, I I don't know I don't I mean Woodson obviously sees something in him or he wouldn't be playing I mean Woodson has to know this if I know it he he knows this um but yeah I just I just felt like they did a really good job of exploiting every tiny mistake that IU made and there wasn't a ton of mistakes you know outside of some you know miss switches early on but they just they you know went off from three um what, what was the uh, uh, Jalen Williams played a fantastic game 24 points 150 offensive rating. Um, it was just, it just, I really didn't expect this. I expected a closer game, especially being a neutral site. The first half, it definitely sounded like a pro IU crowd. And then it just was amazing how it shifted to a, a pro Auburn crowd in the second half. But I don't know. Did either of you see the the video that Auburn basketball put out after the game too? No, I didn't see that. I, I don't, I don't know if you're, you're familiar with the old, uh, this is IU kind of music video. Um, but they, they, they remade it and it, it was actually a production done by Auburn and they, they put a ton of time and effort wow. and energy into it and uh man that would have been really embarrassing to put all that time in if they ended up losing
1: the game um
2: but uh it's 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 entertaining i would definitely give it a watch if you get some free time is it on twitter it is on twitter yeah they tweeted it i mean it's 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 uh highly produced and the lyrics are funny i mean it's it's they they put a whole lot into it they're they i didn't realize auburn was so uh so into themselves i'll say
1: Well, Bruce Bruce Pearl's kind of into himself, so maybe it's rubbing off on on the rest of them. Um, still, yeah,
0: I, he took the words out of my mouth there.
1: I do not like Bruce Pearl. Uh, <laughs> I'll just say it right now. Um, yeah, no, I I think you hit a lot of good points there. I, I as well, am questioning what's going on with CJ Gunn. Uh, he just kind of strikes me as... You know, I, I had this kid named Dallas who played soccer with me in college, and he was one of those kids that, like, every day in practice, he was just unstoppable, unbeatable. I mean, he, he just... He would... He would play so well in practice and looked like one of the best players on the team and then you put him in the game and he was so tentative and he he never really accomplished uh what you felt like he could do based off what he did in practice and i'm wondering if that's kind of what we're getting with cj gunn here i mean he's a freshman so maybe some of that is coming out where he's comfortable playing hard and practice and being aggressive and doing those kind of things. But in the games, I, I just don't know if he looks super comfortable. And so I'm wondering if we're seeing that here and Mike Woodson kind of, you know, is known for pushing his players where if they feel uncomfortable, he's just going to put them out there and say, get through it and make the play. And I felt like he was doing that with CJ gun a little bit in this game. And unfortunately it just didn't work out for him. 18 minutes, only three points, three and only one rebound. Um, it's a hard game for CJ gun shaps. What are your thoughts?
0: Yeah. I assume gun is, is having to play more and, and have more responsibility because Xavier Johnson is out. Yeah. Um, They're a totally different team without him. Yeah. By the time I I flipped this game on, it was basically over with, um, you know, by halftime, you know, I, I was kind of watching the score a little bit and then I was like, Oh, okay. Indiana's getting off to a good start. I think they had a 12 point lead early in the game and then, um, I had to double check this. Auburn went on a forty-two to twelve run to close the first half. That's hard to overcome. Um, yeah, that this was a, a a tough watch for me as well because I, I hate Bruce Pearl so much. Um, he uh, he basically destroyed the Illinois program. Um, in the like early nineties, uh, when when Illinois was really really good you know, coming off the flying Illini stuff. And then he, you know, snitched and, and said that like we were paying off players when he was a coach at Iowa and, and it wasn't true at all, but we still got slapped, um, you know, with some with some uh, punishment by the NCAA. So he's a total scumbag. Um, and obviously I'm not a big fan of Indiana as well.
1: squad for Bruce Pearl.
0: <laughs> yeah, always. He's always uh, – he's always walking the plank. And so, um, so it was a tough watch for me, uh, not liking either team, but, uh, yeah, the Indiana, like I said, they're just a different team without Xavier Johnson. They're still two and O in the big 10 though. So th- they will be interesting to, to kind of keep an eye on. They just don't have a lot of depth, you know? So like if, if, if one or two guys go down, they, they really, uh, are going to struggle. I mean, their only losses so far to Yukon and Auburn. So it's not, you know, on paper, like it doesn't look that bad. Um, but you know, the analytics say they're not a very good team, um, on either end of the floor, they got Kansas coming up at home. I, that's probably not going to go well for them. Um, but I guess you never know, uh, with their home crowd, um, at assembly hall. So maybe they can pull off the upset there. It'll be interesting to watch, but, um, I, if, if Xavier Johnson's out, I don't think it'll go well.
1: Yeah, and I think we're starting to see the effects of Xavier Johnson being out. Some of these other games, you know, we saw Gabe Cups really come alive and play some really strong defense and really energetic. But, you know, that energetic, strong you know, a defense game can only last for so long if you really don't have anything else. And I'm not trying to disparage Gabe Cups. I really like him as a player, and I think that he's going to turn into something very good, but he's, he's still just a freshman. Um, and it's tough coming into a team like this where guard play is going to be so crucial for your bigs, uh, especially with Xavier Johnson going down, uh, for Gabe Cups to really turn into who they need this fast. Um, not everybody can be uh, Braden Smith and turn into the perfect guy you need freshman year, right, Frank? <laughs>
0: Must be nice.
1: That's hard hard to do. Uh, But yeah, so all right, let's move on to our last game. Michigan. Oh, my goodness. I'm really stinking with the stats today. Uh, Iowa XX should be 80. (laughs) Um, Michigan beats Iowa 90 to 80. In this one, um, it should
0: say TT for Iowa, right? Oh,
1: yeah, it should say yeah. TT for Iowa. Um, Michigan ninety Iowa doesn't matter. That's what, right. That's what that means ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fran leaves the game early. Uh, really, really got upset in this one. Was uh, was upset with a number of things that were going on. But I mean, Fran's gonna do as Fran does. I think you know, if somebody walked and stepped on his toe, he would get a technical foul. <laughs> uh, getting upset about that, but um, just one of those games, I think Michigan really needed this one. Uh, Iowa just wasn't, wasn't uh, catching what they needed. um, I guess you could say, Um, but Frank, what were your thoughts?
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, we, we talked about some other games kind of being a a must win for both teams. And I feel like this one was that case, but to, to the greatest degree of all these games we've talked about, you know, Iowa coming off of two pretty bad losses uh, just with respect to score Uh, Michigan being four, uh, four and five and coming off of three straight losses, um, you know, it was a really ugly start to the game. Um, neither team really uh, was finding any scoring rhythm early on. Uh, Iowa started picking up, or opening some up some things with their um, empty side pick and rolls. And, you know, as I said last time I was on here, I really feel like one of the big keys for Michigan was going to be uh, Taurus Reed. And uh, I think he had a career career uh, high in points tonight. Um, yeah, he had 19.7 for 10 from the floor, um, five for seven at the line. And really, he he was able to do that at a night when Doug McDaniel was was kind of um, not playing his best basketball, we'll say. He's been he's been kind of in a little bit of a slump lately. Um, but really, just, you know, Iowa couldn't find a ton uh, going offensively. I mean, Cricky did, you know, what, what he does. But it felt like nothing came easy for him. He was making a lot of really tough shots. So kudos to him for playing a really good game. But, you know, Tony Perkins had 19, which was really nice to see as well. But, you know, Sanford 10 and then uh, McCaffrey with 10. And there was a huge drop off after that. No one else in double digits. Um you know, seeing the the McCaffrey ejection is always fun. I don't know why I get entertainment out of that, but um, I I felt he was justified in being angry. Those are back to back offensive fouls uh, that you know they got called against Iowa. And, you know, uh, you, I feel like the his leash is much shorter than a lot of referees because he has that history. Um, but ultimately, now I mean Iowa sits at five and five, and and what does the future look like for them? They've dropped almost twenty five point or twenty five ranking spots in Ken Palm in the month of December. Uh, you know, that's that's. Uh, there's a whole lot. And, you know, they do have a couple easy games coming up Florida AM and UMBC. But, you know, then it's right back into conference play for them. Um, you know, they were a top 10 offense and now they're ranked 20th in Kinpom. They really need to figure out things on the defensive end, in my opinion, though. But um, really big, really big win for Michigan, uh, uh, you know, a, a team that's, you know, struggled with Juwan Howard sort of being the coach and sort of not being the coach. I'm still not sure how all that's working. Um, but, you know, there was some, a lot of confusion on the sideline. There was some stuff going around on Twitter about some, Coaches, not really sure who's making calls and whatnot. But, um, you know, big win for Michigan. Uh, but I, I am – I'm slightly concerned for Iowa right now. Uh, and I, I'm curious to see what they'll try to do to turn things around going forward.
1: Yeah, I think for Michigan, if, if you win a game where Doug McDaniel – scores the least amount of points in your starting lineup, that's a good win for you because he has been so relied upon as the offensive, you know, number one in the on this team that if, if you can win this game without making that happen, uh, that's really good. And, and having seven assists tonight, I mean, credit to McDaniel, he was able to, to pivot and say, Hey, I'm not hitting a lot of shots this game. I'm four for 12. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to make my teammates better, get them what they need. Uh, so a lot of credit to to them. I think you saw what you wanted to see out of this Michigan team after uh, some stinker games lately that, uh, Michigan fans I know weren't too happy to see shafts. What were some of your thoughts on this game?
0: It was interesting because yeah, coming into the game, these are two eerily similar teams, especially when you look at Ken Palm, you know, top 25 offense and just abysmal defense. Um, so I was expecting a high score game and, and that's exactly what we got. Michigan just couldn't miss a shot basically in the second half and Iowa, Per usual, they couldn't get a stop. Um, They're not going to figure it out on the defensive end, Frank, because they never figure it out on the defensive end under Fran. Um, But Fran is so, so entertaining. I love him so much. I love watching him. It's just hysterical. He's never going to change. He knows he's going to get teed up every single time, but he still just goes nuts. His assistant coach is holding him back, and, and it just doesn't matter you're never going to get calls like the big 10 refs are horrible, but the fact that he's been doing this for so long and he still can't control himself is just so funny to me. Um, yeah, I hope he never changes this, but it, it was an entertaining game for sure because of the high scoring affair and two good offenses. Um, exactly what we expected out of them. Uh, Yeah, I I still haven't figured out these teams at all, like Michigan and and Iowa. They I don't know. I don't know what they're gonna do when when it comes to you know January, February. It's gonna be kind of interesting to see. Um but right now they look like two very similar teams that are still kind of trying to figure out the roles. Um we know they can score a lot of points and and they're gonna get up and down the floor. They're gonna hit shots, but uh are they gonna be able to get enough stops to to move into the upper half of the Big Ten? That that's what'll be uh interesting to see. Um my last note is that uh I think we should outlaw college basketball games on NFL Sundays. You know, just like I want to be focused on the red zone. Uh the Bears even got a win today, um, which I didn't really want them to get a win today, but you know, I'll, I'll take it against uh, Detroit. But, yeah, having to watch college basketball on NFL Sundays is not not really my favorite.
1: Well, I saw C.J. Stroud get hurt in his game, so I knew it was going to be a bad NFL Yeah, game for Ohio State fans. That's, Didn't that's expect sad. that
0: game. Yeah
1: sad for him but uh but we'll stay on basketball here i i, I agree justin
0: fields looked good though
1: he did, yeah yeah which you're <laughs> i know you're happy about um no I, I i agree with everything you said there shaps it was it, it was just a high scoring offensive affair both of these teams need to figure out defense looks like michigan was able to figure it out more in this game uh but i i just i question if fran just has no desire for defense. If he just doesn't have any coach that can coach it. I mean, we brought it up on the last podcast. Like uh, there's just no polar opposite basketball and football team more than Iowa right now. <laughs> and you can say the same thing about both coaches. Like, is it just inept coaching on offense for, for Iowa's football team? Is, is it inept coaching on defense for Iowa's basketball team? I don't know what it is. I, at a certain point, like, I can get the defensive, like, style of play, that's who we are type of thing. I can get that in football. I can't I can't get it in basketball. There is so much that comes from good defense in basketball. I just think you can't ignore it like that. Uh, and I'm wondering, is Fran just ignoring it at this point, um, which is really, really sad. But, you know, this is this a lot of our concerns with Iowa going into the season. Do they have a number one score? Do they have that NBA guy who can come in? And score at will and make the offense just hum at this uh, amazing pace. Um, and unfortunately, I don't, I don't think they do. So I'm, I'm really feeling bad about this Iowa team going into the rest of the season uh, if they have zero defense to lean on and they're still trying to figure out who that score is game in and game out that can, that can put things together for them because Peyton Sanford, I don't think, I don't think he is who they kind of hoped him to be.
0: So, yeah, I thought he was going to be kind of like the next in line. Uh, for those, you know, great Iowa players that we've seen recently. And Fran, to his credit, has has always had one dominant player, you know, from, from Garza to uh, the Murray brothers and just, yeah, like you said, it doesn't seem like he has that necessarily this year. So they're probably going to really struggle because of that.
1: I mean, I could see him being like a Jordan Bohannon at some point is Bohannon. Bohannon. I forget how to say his name. I, I, I disliked watching him so much, <laughs> um, <clears throat> but he was, he was kind of like, I feel like he could kind of be like what he was, but he doesn't have that download threat, like a Garza or somebody to really make it uh, open for him and and really show that offense uh, the way it needs to be there. So, all right, Frank, you got any final thoughts before you get out of here?
0: Uh, no,
2: no. Uh, thanks for having me on. It's a good, great time as always.
1: All right, thanks, Frank. Uh, Shaps, you got any final thoughts?
0: This was fun. Uh, I'm glad I was finally able to join. Um, yeah, I've been a, a big fan of uh, of your work, Jr. So far, and uh, it's been really fun to to follow along and and be part of the Big Banter Network. Now,
1: hey, appreciate it. The Java Men are always welcome here on the Big Ten Huddle. So, <laughs> as all, as is the Boiler Express, Frank. So. Alright, we'll get out of here. Uh, Don't forget to check out Big Banter, BigBanterSports.com for the Java Men, Boiler Express, and all our other podcasts, uh, football and basketball, all the things you need there. So, thanks everybody. Have a great night.
0: See ya. Yeah, It's time to walk the plank.